0: Hey guys, my name is Josh Montgomery and I'm a student here at Treasure Coast Community Church and this is our TC3 student podcast. I wanna thank you for joining us today and we hope this message connects you to the life-changing power of Jesus Christ and gives you the courage to live out your faith in your homes, schools, and community. Enjoy today's message. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Behold, I long for your precepts and your righteousness. Give me life. Psalm 11933 33 through 40. I just want to set the record straight, real fast. Trevor, you didn't hold back, and I appreciate the excitement, okay, behind <laughs> that pie throw. But then also, I just want to say I could have not acted with integrity in that moment and said I loved country music, uh, but I just couldn't have done that. So uh, thanks, Trevor. Thanks a lot. Uh, We just read from Psalm 119 in the ESV translation. And uh, first off, I just wanna say, hi, my name's Chad. I'm the Life Groups and Missions pastor here, and I'm really stoked to be with y'all tonight. Uh, Thank you, Miles, for letting me be a part of this series talking about the waiting room and what do we do as we're waiting on Jesus's return, specifically in spiritual disciplines. And uh, in my, my life, The spiritual disciplines has really helped me propel my growth with God and in relationship with others and and myself. Specifically, uh, the practice of silence and solitude, but then also scripture reading. And we're going to be talking about God's word tonight and how do we engage with his word. And one of the practices that I'm going to lay out for you a little bit later in this message is called Lectio Divina. But before we get there... I want to reread what we just read, but in a different translation coming from the NLT. And so this is, again, Psalm 119, verses 33 through 40. And it says this, Teach me your decrees, O Lord. I will keep them to the end. Give me understanding, and I will obey your instructions. I will put them into practice with all of my heart. Make me walk along the path of your commands, for that is where my happiness is found. Give me an eagerness for your laws rather than a love for money. Turn my eyes from worthless things and give me life through your word. Reassure me of your promise made to those who fear you. Help me abandon my shameful ways, for your regulations are good. I long to obey your commandments. Renew my life with your goodness. Let's pray real fast together. Father, Son, and Spirit, in this moment together, we invite you to shape our lives and set our direction towards you. We listen to your word. Give us a longing to imitate you in what you want us to do. We welcome you in your spirit as we fix our eyes and imaginations on you. Amen. Now, I want to ask you a question real quick, and let's, let's keep it PG, but I want to ask you, what do you consider to be one of the greatest gifts you have ever received? Anybody want to answer that question? We just had Christmas recently, maybe a birthday. My wife and I just celebrated her birthday in St. Augustine this past weekend. Hopefully, that was a good gift to her, but we got somebody in the back. What is, what is one of the greatest gifts that you've ever received? Jesus? perfect transition into what we're going to be talking about tonight. It's always Jesus. If you're wondering what the answer is, Jesus is always the answer. But just for fun, thank you for that response. I saw another hand maybe to the right of her in the back. What was what your answer? Nice. Very cool. So one of the, the greatest gifts I ever received, it's kind of a small thing, but meaningful to me. Uh, I teach a class here called Starting and It really helps people who are new to the church get involved, plugged in, and figure out what we're all about. And there's this guy named Dave who's a little bit older that I was able to meet through this class. And today was actually Dave's birthday. And on his birthday, instead of receiving a gift from me, he actually gave me a gift. Last week as I was teaching in the class, I mentioned how as a kid, one of my favorite candies, I don't I grew up in the Midwest, so Missouri, and there's this gas station called Casey's. And at Casey's, you always got two things as a kid. The Casey's pizza, which was phenomenal, and candy. And one of my favorite candies that I could only find at Casey's was this thing called Charleston Chew. Anybody heard of it before? Right on. Okay. Dan in the back. Uh, And so I mentioned this last week that I would eat Charleston shoes. My mom would give them to me as a kid. And then for Christmas, my mother-in-law actually filled my stocking with them. And it was just a little kind of offhanded comment. And today, Dave showed up at the class. And actually, like I said, it's his birthday today. And he gifted me with a whole bag of Charleston shoes. And it was a very small but kind gesture that meant a lot to me. And it was a gift that I gladly received. But like the girl in the back said, of course, one of the greatest gifts that we ever receive is Jesus. But in addition to that, if I asked you, what is one of the greatest gifts that you receive, not just in general, but specifically from God? How would you answer that question? And I'm not going to call on you again because we've got to move forward in the message, but think about that. And the written word of God, which we're gonna be diving in tonight as we continue in our series, talking about how do we read God's word, the written word of God, the Bible as we know it, stands as one of the greatest gifts that we receive from God himself. And thousands of years before a single line was even pinned on an ancient scroll, an unbroken chain of storytellers retold the greatest story, of all time and the number of people who have suffered martyrdom to produce preserve and even preach the bible as we experience engage with it today is a legacy of many and i came across this story recently 67 years ago there were five brilliant young men who were killed in the ecuadorian rainforest they had been seeking to convey the good news of jesus to the unreached people there. And their sacrifice actually captured the imagination of the world for a moment in time. And Time Magazine back in the day wrote a 10-page story dedicated to this group of young men and their story. And their sacrifice captured the imagination of the world. And the leader of that group, who is known as Jim Elliott, in his in his journal wrote this, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. But the story is even greater than that because their sacrifice was followed up by their wives. All in their 20s picked up the same mission that their husbands went over uh, to accomplish in giving the word of God to this unreached people group. And so with extraordinary bravery, they returned to the people who had killed their husbands with forgiveness and love. And in their interaction and engagement with these people, they were amazed. And one of them, one of the, the peoples of the group that they're witnessing to, was quoted as saying, we acted badly, terribly, until they brought us God's carvings, Now we walk his trail, and it was through the love and forgiveness and carrying on the mission of their husbands to this unreached people group, giving them the word of God in which they were able to experience new life. And this book that we're talking about that we read from and that we want to see you guys engage with is a bestseller because it is God's revealed truth to us, empowered by God's spirit to transform us but as well as you look at the story and the history of how we got the word of God into our pockets or however we read it is rendered even greater by the storms it has weathered and the price that has been paid to pass down the most enduring and what I believe the most amazing story in history. And so surely a book with this kind of history and story to it wouldn't go left unread. And so maybe Charles Spurgeon, maybe you've never heard of that name before, but he's known as the Prince of Preachers, who is long gone, but still influences Christians around the world to this day, said it best. He said, visit many good books, but live in the Bible. In Psalm 119, what we just read from celebrates the reality of God's Word. It's wisdom, truthfulness, grace, clarity, direction, and even power of the written revelation of God for our lives. But there might be a tension or a question or a challenge that we all experience when engaging with God's world. And it's really this question that frames this series as we explore different practices and disciplines, is does what we believe result in a change of behavior? Because the sad reality is that how can we expect our lives to shine brightly for God in public if they barely flicker for him in secret? And so how can we begin to consistently practice reading the Bible to grow in our knowledge and understanding, and possibly, like we read in Psalm Psalm 119, even enjoy spending time with it? How can our experience match the experience of the writer of Psalm 119, where he says things like in verse 34, I will put them into practice with all of my heart, talking about wanting understanding so that he can obey God's instructions for his life, or in verse 36, where it says, give me. An eagerness for your laws. Or verses thirty-nine and forty, where we read, Help me abandon my shameful ways, for your regulations are good. I long to obey your commandments. See, we may have the desire to be like the Psalmist and wanting to practice reading God's Word, be a faithful disciple, and have an eagerness to grow this year and long to be the person that God is calling us and desires us to be. But we can have the desire, and we can try really, really hard through different seasons and times as we put forth effort. But desire without discipline sets us up for disappointment. We must have our desire match Discipline match practices, we might have a vision or even an intention for our lives, but is the practices, the behaviors, the ways that we actually make decisions forming us into the person that we want to be? And one of my favorite writers by the name of Dallas Willard, who is a philosopher and had a great book on the great omission, which is a lack of discipleship in the church setting today, says this, our most serious failure today is the inability to provide effective practical guidance as to how to live the life of Jesus. And so that's what I want to give you tonight. How do we practically live out an intention and a a desire to become lovers of Jesus, engaging with his word and experiencing him consistently? in our lives. And it's the idea of we can continue to try really hard when we're feeling really good and excited and maybe we go to camp and we come back we're on fire for a while. And I've had experiences like that in different seasons in my life. But then you go through maybe a dark night of the soul or some challenges or transition and then that desire is no longer there. And so what do you do then? You have to have that discipline match the desire so that you can have consistent growth or you'll just unfortunately be disappointed. And so recently, I got back into running and for the last two years, I've had a goal of accomplishing a certain amount of races within a calendar year. And I'm always a little bit hesitant to share this because I don't wanna be held accountable honestly to actually having to pull this off. But I thought it was kind of a good illustration to where we find ourselves a lot. And so this year, I want to run a half marathon, a marathon, a 50K, which is 32 miles, and a 50-mile race, all within 2022. And I've tried doing that for the last two years or so. And in a moment of excitement or motivation, I'll go out, like, for my last birthday, I turned 27. And we were living in Portland, and so I was like, you know what? I'm going to run 27 miles for my 27th birthday, and I did that for my 26th, and it's kind of a tradition that I kept on going. And I just suffered through it. It's, it sucked. I don't know if I can say that, but it was pretty brutal. And it was because I had the lack of training. I would just go out on a whim, and sure, I did it, but it wasn't the kind of experience that was actually helpful It hurt more than it was helpful. And so this year, more than ever, I was like, okay, if I actually want to accomplish this goal, I have to commit, unfortunately, to the training. I can't continue to just try really hard and think that results are going to be produced. And so in the same way, we need to approach the spiritual disciplines in the same manner. Consider them as training, helping us form and become the people that we want to be. And so I want to share with you a, a practice that is honestly I know this word gets thrown around kind of flippantly but has been truly transformative in my life with Jesus and because there was a season and time so like a little backstory story on, on me real quick is I grew up in Missouri became a Christian at 18 didn't grow up in a church family didn't know Bible college or Christian colleges even existed and through the influence of a friend who was a youth pastor at this church that I got connected with a guy like Miles but his name was Dylan through his influence I ended up going to a Bible college in Missouri. And so I received even an education on studying the Bible and knowing its context and where it came from and all these different questions and categories and concepts on how to read it. But even in my own life, now that I've been a Christian for almost 10 years, I came into a point in in my discipleship to Jesus about two years ago where I would spend time in the morning with God, reading my Bible, praying with some coffee, but then I'd close the book And I I typically wake up a little earlier than my wife, and she would come out, and then the way that I would respond to her compared to what I was reading about and the way I should respond in the text of Scripture wasn't in alignment. And so I had to ask myself this question, who am I becoming? Not just ideally in my mind, but actually through the practices and behaviors that are now starting to form my decisions. Who am I becoming? And unfortunately, during that time in my life, I didn't honestly like the response or the answer that I had. And so I needed to follow that up and say, what am I actually doing now through training and practice to become the person I want to be in the future? And so how do we transfer information from the head? We might know a lot, but down into transformation of the heart. And so I want to give you five steps in how do you engage with God's word? Maybe for the first time you are showing up to 514, a friend brought you or a sibling and you're hearing about the Bible and you never engaged with it. And so how do you for the first time actually get something out of God's word or somebody who's been a follower of Jesus for a little while, continue to learn and grow in your knowledge of him through the text. And so I want to give you five quick steps of this ancient practice called Lectio Divina. And Lectio Divina is a way of viewing God's world through his word. So I became kind of, <laughs> I felt like more than a dad than ever, even though I'm not a dad, when I got these glasses because they have transition lenses. And I kind of hate it now because now we, move in, we live in Florida. And so the lobby is like huge glass windows. And so every time I'm out there, they transition into sunglasses. And then the filter changes and in the same way, when we read God's word, we want our perspective, the filter in which we view the world to change as we read God's word. And so here are the, the five steps of Lectio Divina. First, we need to learn how to pause. It was kind of funny when I was coming out here having to put my hat and glasses on real quick. We kind of don't know what to do with silence. And so we create like these awkward moments to where we just start clapping for no reason sometimes. And we don't know why, but it just sounds better than the silence that we hear. And so if we're going to engage with God's word, we need to prepare our hearts and minds to actually engage with him. But because of the culture that we live in, It's really hard to just stop for a second to turn off our devices and focus, be present where our feet are. And so before we even begin to read and engage with God, we must pause and be with him. And uh, there's this quote from an old guy named Francois Fenelon. Pretty rad name. He says, imagine that Jesus Christ in person is about to talk to you about the most important thing in the world. Give him your complete attention and when we stop to pause that's what we're doing we're giving him our attention so we pause this can be for a minute five minutes just to be at rest to receive second we move to read this is where we actually choose a passage of scripture you can start with a psalm i've been working through the psalms throughout the year just finished 150 and go back through it again you can start with a proverb do it for a month one a day go through the gospels read the stories of Jesus. And again, you want to read it slowly and reread it and allow your imagination and mind to engage with the text, with the setting, with the people, and use your senses. Don't just read through it, say I did it, checked it off the list, and then move on. Third, we want to to meditate. And the idea of meditation, specifically in the Christian tradition, is filling our minds with God's truth. We're filled with so many different stories stories in our life, in the things that we listen to, movies that we watch, people that we interact with, that we need to be reminded of God's truth. And so we fill our minds and our hearts with what God says. And then fourth, we pray. We actually want to respond to what God is saying. And so after... We have read the text, we we stop to meditate, ask God a few questions about it. God, what are you saying to me? What I read, does it resonate? Is there resistance? How does it actually make me feel? Is there a command here that I need to obey and follow? Or is there a character in a story that I resonate with, maybe for a good reason or not so good reason. God, what are you saying to me? And then we respond to him in prayer and more on prayer in the series from Pastor Miles. So I'll leave it at that for now. And then finally, the fifth step is contemplate. We want to finish the way we began in the sense of that we stop. And I just finished reading this book from Henry Nowen, who's one of my favorite writers called Life of the Beloved. And in his book, he talks about that one of the biggest spiritual battles that you and I will go through is actually believing the reality that God loves us. Even Pastor Gordon this morning mentioned it, kicking off his message, that we can get this view of, man, it's all about loving God, knowing God, serving God. And it becomes performative or that we're initiating this relationship, but it's actually God pursuing us and us becoming Uh, Aware of the reality that we are truly loved by God that we are his beloved and so we contemplate the reality of what God's Word says about our lives and A really helpful tool as you finish out this practice in the contemplation step is this prayer says father help me to live this day to the full being true to you in every way Jesus, help me to give myself away to others, being kind to everyone I meet. Spirit, help me to love the lost, proclaiming Christ in all I do and say, amen. And so those are the five steps of Lectio Divina. Hopefully it's helpful for you as you continue to engage with God's word. We don't wanna continue just to try really hard, but we wanna train really hard and commit to certain practices to where we can grow in our relationship with Jesus. But I wanna end our time with this as we move to a time of worship. It's this verse from the teaching text that we read. It's verse 37 and it says, turn my eyes from worthless things and give me life through your word. For me, like I said, I didn't grow up in a Christian home and I had a pretty dysfunctional family growing up. and quite a bit of pain and challenges, a lot of awesome times as well. But the last thing that I'd be doing on a Sunday night at your age is sitting where you're sitting, being a part of students. So I just want to one, say, thank you so much for showing up and being here tonight, being a part of students. Uh, We love that you're here. But for me, I had some worthless things in my life And as a kid, I had a pretty bright future related to sports in college, but I had some off the court behavioral issues that I was becoming more and more of a liability. And again, in the context of dysfunction, there came across points in my life where I was sitting kind of in the third row of a pew at this church that I never wanted to go to. And I found myself interacting with God's word. First, through a conversation. There was nobody around me and the two friends that I went to church with that night came forward and so I was by myself and it was through God's word, him speaking to me, asking me questions related to my identity and who I was becoming. And I didn't have an answer and I didn't really like who I was becoming. And he said, follow me. I said, okay, I mean, I don't really know what that means or what that looks like, but okay, God, if you're real and if this Jesus thing is real, then I'll give it a shot. I'll follow you. But then before I left that night, I was able to connect with a guy like Miles. I mentioned his name before and his name was Dylan. He's been one of the most influential guys in my life. He was a a youth pastor at the time. And it was through that relationship that I began engaging with God's word, studying it, reading it, learning how to read it, asking questions, nothing was off the table with him. And it was through that practice of reading God's word that strengthened my faith, helped me answer a lot of questions that I was going through at that time. And so you might find yourself here tonight in a similar context or situation that I found myself in, that you might be giving your time and your mind and your potential to some worthless things, whatever those might be for you. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus, but you spend more time on your phone playing video games or board games than actually engaging with God in a a real personal way. Or maybe you don't even know what following Jesus looks like. And for you tonight, it's to experience the life-changing power of Jesus in a relationship with Him. And so I don't know what that looks like for you, but I would say this, as we move to a time of worship, one, I wanna pray for everybody in here, but then two, I love that you guys break out into groups and that's where you can ask your questions and I would encourage you, connect with a leader that you can have a conversation with. And maybe it's for the first time following Jesus, or maybe for a while you've been doing this thing and you just need some encouragement or help. And how do I navigate actually growing in my knowledge and understanding? of the Bible, but at the end of the day, the Bible points, points to a deeper reality, which there is a God that loves you and wants a relationship with you, so much so that he didn't just shout his message from heaven, but he actually sent his son to earth to die for us, to bring us back into relationship with him. And more than anything, I don't want you just to be amazing Bible scholars with all the answers. I want you to engage with God's word so that you can experience a real relationship with him. And so as we move in worship, let me just pray for us real fast. Father, thank you for just this night and this time to be able, one, to come here and freely worship you and to be in a safe place, being able to connect with others and be encouraged. And so, God, we just invite you to do what only you can do. Spirit, move in the hearts and minds of these students tonight, God. For those who don't know you and want a relationship with you, or just to explore, what does your word say actually about this world that I find myself in? And is there more to this life than just what I'm living and I have a lot of questions? We welcome those. And so I pray that you would start that relationship with students here tonight. For those who've been doing this thing, but need a little encouragement and help to keep going. God, I pray that they would be able to use these as steps to engage with you in a real and genuine way, and that they would see that the deeper reality is that they are loved by you. And so God, we thank you for what you're doing in and through this ministry, and we pray that you'd continue to do that as we worship together. It's in your name we pray, amen. We want to thank you for listening to today's message. If you're encouraged or you connected to Jesus, we would love to hear from you. The best way to contact us is by messaging us on Instagram at tc3.students. May the Lord bless you, keep you, and use you to be His light in the world.